I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello. And welcome back to the Roker Report podcast. We're all feeling a little bit like Bill Murray's character in Groundhog Day and Wearside, I think, as we witnessed yet another 1-1 draw. But before we go in-depth fully on the game, I am going to introduce you to a couple of debutants and a returning guest. Firstly, we've got Tom O'Brighton, who loves a bit of drums. How are you doing, Tom? Are you well? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Aye. I'm not bad. I wanted to say shite, but I'm all right. Uh, I'm not bad. We've been better. Aye. As good as I can be. What about you, Sam? How are you? I'm all right, mate. Much better than I was at half-time yesterday, like, but yeah. as good as I can be, I. And last but certainly not least, we've got former Sunderland Player of the Year and Brazilian centre-forward, <laughs> Mr Danny Collins. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Thanks for having us on. That's all right. We'll run out of other guests. Uh, so why do I get you back? <laughs> Season ticket holder, are we? <laughs> as always, obviously I'll take Alex's lead on this one and we'll run with a three-word review. But before we do, we'll have a little run-through of yesterday's game. So it was a game, I think, both sides would have been wanting to win to show their promotion credentials, I think it's fair to say. Ipswich began with a standard 4-4-2 formation. Jack Ross kept faith with a, a version of that back three that he has. The lineup was as follows. You had uh, McLaughlin 1 in goal, McLaughlin 2 across the back on the right-hand side, Jordan Willis, centre-off, um, Tom Flanagan, um, at left-back, <laughs> uh, well, left side of defence, sorry. Luke O'Nine returned to the side at like a right wing back position. Denver Hume kept his place on the left. Dylan McGeoch in the centre with George Dobson. And then you had McGeady and Gooch sort of supporting lone frontman Mark McNulty. Um, you sort of touching it before, Sam. It was a shocking first half performance from us. Um, that culminated in us going 1-0 down at half time. But I think in truth, it could have been far worse. I think Ipswich wasted chance after chance after chance. We struggled to get any sort of attack and cohesion going. And in truth any sort of passing momentum realistically, let alone sort of attack and cohesion. Um, we sort of opted to just lump it forward at almost every opportunity again. But a change in formation at half-time, so something bag a goal, probably against the runner play. Actually, our only shot on target, believe it or not. Um, I think we only had three the full game even attempted. But it was a good bit of play from Mark McNulty, sort of making a bit of a nuisance of himself, managed to use his strength, teed up Lyndon Gucci, who could just smash it into an empty net, and that's two for two for Gucci. After that, I think we looked a little bit better, better confidence. I wouldn't say it did us the world of good, but obviously it helped. But the game did effectively just peter out a little bit. And I think both sides seemed fairly happy with the point. And Jack Ross and Sunderland went back to Wearside with his 17th 1-1 draw of his tenure in the back. Can you tell I've done my statistics, lads? It's good work. Can you tell? See? On a hangover as well. Not bad going, (laughs) is it? We'll go straight into the three-word review, which is littered with very similar things. You may notice a, a particular theme that runs through it. Um, Hillwalker 70, he said, history repeating itself. David Collins, any relation? No, don't know Dave. Sorry, no, Dave, if, Dave, if we are, I'm not sure. Distant cousin, perhaps? Could well be. He said, not good enough. Jake Collinson said, Jack Ross out. Spikey Monkey, 84, said, still early yet. Anthony Waterson said, meh, meh, meh. It's technically one word, that, but repeated. We'll allow it. Should we let it in? We'll allow it, yeah. Meh, meh, meh. Johnny Stace, 85, says too many formations. Tom Deland said keep it simple. Graham Field, new manager required. <laughs> Michael Scott said Samaritans on standby. <laughs> Jamie Davison also said Jack Ross out. Mac and G said no words needed. Dean Cummins, bring back Keane. Martin Wiggum, 
<laughs> Ross shags one ones. Eve West said Maguire must start. Also had a profile photo of her with Chris Maguire, so I'm sensing a, a tiny bit of bias and potentially, <laughs> potentially that's playing into her thoughts. Um, South Standards said South Standards even said Ross formation roulette, and then William Magum said I think the best one. He said for Fox sake, thought that was quite clever that. Do you think you thought about it or do you think it just came straight out of it? Do you think it was just a momentary thing? I just think that's knee-jerk. Knee-jerk? That's knee-jerk. Knee-jerk, oof. So there's a lot of anti-Jack Ross tweets there. I'll stay on the fence with my personal opinion as it currently stands, but I'm going to come to you, Tom, for... Tom. Tom. i first. I'm getting there. What did you make yesterday's game, Tom? What can you say, really? It was just rinse and repeat. Tom Flanagan is still getting picked. I, I can't for the life of me say how you can still keep on picking him. Uh, it was clear, even in pre-season, that that back three just wasn't going to work. I think we're much better set to a to a flat back four. Um, and I just think, really, Jack Ross, is, he's abandoned his old formation too soon for me. It was It was a system that wasn't always the most entertaining. It wasn't always the flashiest, but it was a system that only just fell short. In the summer, we recruited. We've seemed to address issues sort of like, you know, down that lines of bringing in Dobson to get that box-to-box midfielder in because especially losing Catamore and Ledbet as a bit. Like, he's, he's, his legs have gone, I think, is the fairest thing you can see about about that. Yep. Having Embleton in instead of Honeyman, so we've got that natural player who's going to you know, take that Roman role, he's going to make it his own, he's going to be more likely to find that cutting edge. Uh, you know, Conor McLaughlin, he, he is a half-decent right-back, we've seen it, he's done it for Northern Ireland on more than one occasion, and I just think he's given up on it a bit too soon, uh, why he's done that, I beg his belief to be honest, but I just think it's a little bit stupid how we've we've signed players to address last season's weaknesses, change formation and create an entire new set of weaknesses that we are now going to struggle to address until at least January. Absolutely agree with a lot of that, to be honest, Tom. Sam, what did you think? Well, I can't remember watching the first half that bad for a long, long time, maybe going back to the championship season or even the dreaded David Moyes season where we'll just... Don't swear on this podcast. We're just chasing shadows the whole match. Like I'm a big fan of McGeoch. I think he is the most creative centre midfielder we've got. But yesterday it just showed you put a bit of pressure, like two people were going in his face and that was him out the game and then without him picking up the ball in little pockets of space, I just thought we had nothing. But last season, I know it was defensively a problem, but we always we always seemed to score. I mean, we're scoring every game apart from was it Barnsley and then the second leg of the... Barnsley and Portsmouth. Yeah, Portsmouth, season, yeah. but... So I always felt last season that however badly we'll play, we're going to pop up with a goal. But watching yesterday, I just I couldn't see where it was coming from. I mean, we're just lumping balls up to McNulty, which he, he has got a bit of piercing behind. But even if he won it, there was no one around him. And I mean, Ipswich, they did play well, but they just seemed to be lumping balls forward. But because they had the bodies up front, they were picking every second ball up. And every time they kicked a ball forward, I thought they were going to score in the first half. Like, I think Norwood and Jackson are yeah. huge lads. Norwood was covering every blade of grass on the pitch. He was like backing right back defending. And the energy they showed in the first half compared to us, it was so much better. And they were probably very unlucky to only be 1-0 up at half time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Danny, how much of the game did you catch yesterday? Only the highlights, um, two, three minute highlights? highlights. That's all that there was. Low lights, is it? Low lights, yes. Um, yeah, from obviously from what I've seen, you know, it looked like they were under the cosh for the majority of the game and managed to nick a goal. I'm obviously looking at it from uh, from a defender's point of view, Luke Chambers from for Ipswich is probably should put it in the stand. He's tried to be a bit clever and yeah. McNulty's nicked it off him and uh, and squared it and Gucci's managed to get the goal. Um, if you take any positives, I think it's one of them where you've not been at it. You get back on the bus and you've managed to take a point. And from the two games so far, they've gone behind in both games and managed to come back into it. But you know, as you're saying, same story as last season in terms of too many draws, and and it's it's continued early on. Um, formation wise, I say I, I didn't watch the full game yesterday, but I went to the game last weekend against Oxford, and you know, obviously Jack trying out his new formation in terms of a back three. From from looking at it from my point of view, I don't think there's balance at the back. I think you've got three right footed centre halves if you like playing across there. I know you've obviously mentioned Tom Flanagan; he's playing on the left of the three. He's not left footed, you know. 
I think he's obviously Jack Ross is encouraging the keeper to to throw it out and try and play. And the longer the game went on last week, I don't think the lads were too keen on receiving the ball off the keeper. They didn't look like they wanted it. If you know what I mean, there was yeah. you could hear a few groans around the stadium and and. Um, they looked like they wanted to get pushed up and for, for McLaughlin to kick it longer. As you say there, you've got Grigg and, and McNulty up top who aren't really target men who are going to get hold of it and, you know, fight balls all day and, you know, centre-offs. Myself personally, if you're kicking balls up, I'd fancy myself to, to win it nine times out of ten against the pair of them. You went to the game last week yeah. um, and we spoke a little bit last week about Elliot Embleton yeah. um, who some, some people didn't think he was too great last week. I, yeah. I thought he was... No better, no worse than a lot of people. Yeah, and it's his, I agree. It's his first game. He's a Sunderland lad and things like that. Yeah. And I think, I think, like Tom said, I think he does sort of fill that role that Honeyman's left. Yeah. Um, to an extent, were you quite surprised that he, he took him out with the game against Ipswich? I would. I, I think I'd done the fans zone before, and I got asked a few questions. Obviously, he played for us down at Grimsby last yeah. year, and I'd say his best position for me is in a four-two-three-one, the one in behind the striker. You know, he gets in the little pockets. He's good with both feet, and he can make things happen around the edge of the box. And what I will say about him is he wants to work and he wants to learn hard. And I think his confidence will be like he starts last week, he gets hooked after 15 minutes and he played an hour, I think, didn't he last week? Yeah. Did he get on? I don't think he got on yesterday, did he? No. Do you know what I mean? So again, he'll be like sat there, you know, I'm back out of the team again. And his confidence will perhaps took a little a little dig. You know, yesterday there, they needed a goal, you know, try and go on and win the game and perhaps chuck him on to see if he can make something happen. But, you know, he's not come off the bench. I just think he's a player. You know, give him five, six games. It might not happen for him in one game. Just keep him in the team and get his confidence up. And he's just, he's just perhaps got that little spark where something can happen. You know, like your McGeady's or Gucci, one of them players who can make something happen in and around the box. Talked about formation a little bit before. Now, yeah. I mean, one thing I wanted to sort of pick up on as well, Danny, is yeah. you've played under a few managers um, as a player. You've changed formation three times in a game. And you're dragging players off like Denver Hume at half time, which I, I don't necessarily disagree with. I, mm. I, when you're changing a formation yeah. three times in a game, there's two trains of thoughts here. From a player's perspective, yeah. is that a sign that he's losing the plot and the players don't know what they're doing? Or do you praise him for having, having the balls to admit he set us up wrong and change it? In game, I think you can look at that both ways. I think probably his pre-season he's worked a lot on. You know, we're going to go with this back three lads. We're going to stick to it as much as we can, and that. And then obviously, as you say, there he's, he's changed it quite early on. We had the same at Grimsby last year. We'd done all pre-season. We worked back three, back three, back three, and seventy minutes into the first game, we went to a back four. Do you know what I mean? So you've yeah. done all that work, sort of five, six weeks pre-season. It's sometimes it looks good, and I think in a three-five-two you have to be. You have to be good on the ball, if you know, and you have to look after the ball well. And if, if that's not happening, then you can see pockets and, and space opening up for the opposition. Now, obviously, yeah, he's saying Denver Hume's gone off yesterday, who's left. So after that, I'm guessing who came on, they haven't got a left-footed player across the back. Then. Changed the whole yeah, formation. You know, yeah. So, yeah, so you're losing your balance again there. I mentioned it. You haven't really got your balance with the left pegger on the left-hand side then. Um, he could look at it from his point of view as he wants to get Chris into the game look at trying to get him back into the game and to and to try and, you know, Chris is a creative type of player. So you can look at, well, he's, you know, he's taken out a defensive-minded player in Denver Hume and he's brought Chris on to, to try and create stuff and to get him back into the game. So from his point of view, you could probably say it's an attacking thought. But again, you know, you, you're chopping and changing. If you're out on the pitch as a player, you might be looking over to the bench thinking, oh, fucking hell, we're, we're chopping it again here. We're changing what we're going with now. Do you know what I mean? Talking of Jack Ross, I think it's a, it's a hot topic of conversation, um, to be fair. And I think... And you kind of judge everything by Twitter because if you do, bloody hell, um, you'll get a very warped view of the world, if I'm honest. But looking at Twitter, it seemed like things have turned on Jack Ross. It, it was previously about 60-40 in his favour, 50-50 maybe after the playoffs. Now it feels horribly a bit like, well, not horribly, it's I suppose the proof's in the pudding that he's not doing enough at the moment, um, sort of 60-40 against him. But I'll throw this one to Sam. What's your thoughts on Jack Ross and, and staying in the job? Is it too early to sort of write him off already in, in this season? To answer that question, I'd say it possibly is too early because it has only been two games. But I was always Jack Ross in towards the end of last season when it started the first turn, when we missed yeah. out on the automatics. And then when it turned again after the playoffs, uh, after the playoff final, I was saying, give him he's, he's got another transfer window because he, he didn't seem to know his best team throughout the whole of last season. So Still doesn't, does he? Get a good, well, that's what everyone was saying, get a good pre-season under him. Hopefully he'll come out and he, he picked his own formation, uh, changed everything. So you're thinking this is his team now. But watching yesterday did start to worry us a bit. And especially when he was chopping and changing because 
to be fair to him, he can't win because we say he should change things when it's going wrong, and he did yesterday, but it did just look a bit desperate towards the end when he was chopping and changing the air formation and dragging Hume off at half-time. That's not going to do his confidence any good. Dropping Embledon after one game, that's not going to do him the world of good. And I just I feel like he still doesn't know his best team. And in a game where we've obviously we've trained a certain way, I never feel like he has a plan B. I feel like the players just look like this isn't what we expected. What do we do now? And we're, we're very reactionary. We never seem to take the game to people. We seem to see what they do and then react to that. And by the time you do that, it's either too late in the game or you're 1-0 down. With the players we've got in the team, and I don't want to come across as overly arrogant here because there is some good sides in this league. Mm. And I think, you know, a lot of people talked down Oxford last week. I think Oxford have a good team. I think Oxford are probably missing a, a centre-half and a centre-forward from being a playoff yeah. sort of team. But they're, they're better than maybe... There's a lot of teams, basically, that are better than you can give them credit mm. for. But on paper we've got to be in the top two best teams in this league on, and football's not played on paper, but how many... I mean, you've got teams... You had Bolton yesterday who played a bunch of 16, 17-year-old kids. We've got Max Power and Grant Ledbetter on the bench and Maguire. I mean, our bench yesterday was... Walking most sorts. Any yeah, other team, easy. wasn't it? Any other team. And I think we shouldn't be worried about whether or not we'll be up or around the top two, top three. Mm-hmm. And and we certainly should have, after 64 games, sign, sign of hope. So I suppose my question to you, Sam, sort of just directly one word answer, yes or no, would be, <laughs> let me quote there for anyone who noticed, Ross in or Ross out? In at the moment. I'd in still see moment. it in, yeah. So I'll throw sort of the same sort of question to you, Tom. Um, what what are your thoughts on Jack Ross? And then are you Jack Ross in or are you Jack Ross out? For me, I would say the easiest way to describe it is sort of after the playoffs, I was... I was very much given time, the scars of the seasons before, the the was still there. And I think everybody deep down kind of knew that we still had a little way to go, but the summer was the perfect chance to do that. After the Oxford game, I was like, you know, let's give them 10 games, let's see where we are. But after the performance yesterday, you know, it, there was no reaction to the week before. Um, it was the same problems. So... In that 90 minutes yesterday, I've very much gone from let's see where we're, we are in 10 games' time to now Jack Ross has got eight games to change my mind. So for me, at the moment, I'd edge towards Ross out. However, the, what managerial options have we got if we do get rid? And that that is the catch-22 at the moment is I certainly can't think of a manager where you could we could realistically get for a realistic fee because obviously at this stage in the season there's a lot of new managers starting a lot of managers on new contracts and whatever so you're going to have to pay to get those those kind of managers and I just can't see anyone who's a reasonable target who we could afford or who would want to come here because they're already doing a good job elsewhere under a lot less pressure than what Sunderland would would give. Do you not think Jose would fancy it for a season? To be fair, that bloke's crazy enough that he might do it, aye. Oh, we've had our fair share of crazy managers as well. Uh, yeah, to be fair, I think after Paolo, that was enough. It's just a nice another available manager. name, <laughs> Paolo. So I'll, I'll word it differently to you, Danny, but ever so slightly. Um, you're, you're a professional footballer, you're in mm-hmm. pre-season. Uh, you've built a team, you've got an idea of where you're playing. The first few games hasn't gone so great. Yeah. The fans still remember the 60 previous games where there's still a bit of frustration left over. Obviously, you're not in the minds of the players that are playing on the pitch, but from what you've seen um, and say the Oxford game, do you think the players know what they're doing and have faith in Jack Ross themselves? Um, Going back to the Oxford game, from what I've watched over the 90 minutes, I think you could see he's given them a game plan of what he wants. McLaughlin's getting on the ball. The back three, obviously, the two wide centre-offs were splitting. There were times in the game where he was thrown out to them and they could pop it out to the wing-backs and stuff. The longer the game was going on, I thought Oxford pressed them a bit more. And then, you know, if I was in the Oxford team straight away, I'd be going, right, they haven't got a big target. Charlie White was obviously not fit. They haven't got a big target man as such. You've got Will Grigg, who backs in a bit, but he's not the biggest. And you've got McNulty as well, who's not the biggest. So if I'm a centre-half playing for Oxford on the day, I'd say get pushed up and make them kick it long onto us. And as I said, nine times out of ten, I'd fancy us to win the first balls and then it's a case of you know putting Sunderland on the back foot and getting them pushed into their half and the longer the game goes on as you say there they were a goal down and, and the crowd get a bit restless you can hear a few groans in the stadium and the last thing the Sunderland fans are wanting to see is that 
you know, as one of the centre half smashing it 40, 50 yards up the pitch to to Will Grigg. You know, he doesn't win the first ball, it either goes through to the, the Oxford keeper or, or they pick the ball up and the groans and it just, you know, it carries on from there. And you're looking, where, where can we go on from here? I think he brought Chris Maguire came on, he only gave him sort of five, ten minutes if yeah. that, didn't he? Perhaps give him a bit earlier. McGeady came on as well. Yeah. Just thinking get them lads in the game a bit earlier, give them half an hour, you know, and try and turn it around and, you know, go with the plan B and and try and create some stuff in a different way, get the ball down and try and try and zip it about a bit. You mentioned before about the crowd. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll openly admit I know what it can be like with the crowd. Yeah. Sometimes that it doesn't take much for us to turn. No. We, we we care a lot. But yeah, I remember a particular game that you played yeah. um, against Plymouth yeah. where you had a, a howler. Yeah. Let's be honest about it. And, yeah. and the third goal, the thing was your fault. Yeah. It was our fourth defeat. And then we go to Bury. We get beat. We get beat yeah. down. I think we got beat down South End. But yeah. turn around a, a year and a half later and you're, you're player of the year. Yeah, yeah, turn yeah. around six months later, you're yeah. playing consistently in left back mm. people would have probably thought oh when Keane comes in he'll get a new left back or new centre half yeah. Danny Collins will be gone Neil Collins will be gone all those sort of players and yes. you weren't you, you knuckled down I can understand how it can get a player down and how it can make them a bit yeah. um, a bit worried but as a as a player do you not need if you're going to come to Sunderland yes. do you not have to have broader shoulders and yeah, just expect do. it like how did you deal with <laughs> the groans and the moans and, and then yeah. turn out to be the player that you were yeah. with the kind of affection that we have for you it's um, as you say I came in there was a lot of us at that time came in from below, you know, league two clubs I said, I go back to Dino came from Oxford Liam came from Mansfield myself uh, Neil Collins from Kilmarnock was it somewhere up in Scotland you know, uh, so we're, Dumbarton I Dumbarton was, also, yeah, yeah. that's right so we're all coming in from you know where we're used to probably playing in front of f- between five and ten thousand at a maximum on yeah. a Saturday afternoon league two games you come here you know you got the facility the training ground straight away you walk into it you're like you know, look at this to what you're used to, you know, port cabins more often than not, yeah. you know, League Two clubs. The stadium itself, you know, you're going from playing, as I said, in front of five to 10,000, you know, straight away. When I came here, we were sat third or fourth in the championship. So there's 40,000 in the stadium, demanding, expecting of more the lads to go out. Then, yeah, you wasn't know what I mean? yeah so, so naturally, you know, if you're going out there on a Saturday, you need to grow, you need to get used to the surroundings quick and I just think over time, the more games you play, the more experience you get from playing in stadium. You know, the big stadiums, same in Newcastle, up at their place. You know, you, you're going into these stadiums where people live and breathe football, not just on a Saturday, but throughout the week, you know, the, around the towns, wearing the shirts daily and you have to become accustomed to it quick and, and to grow. And if you can't, you're going to get, you know, you get swamped with it and you go under. Do you think that some of the players, now Will, I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here, mm-hmm. but I'll say, 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 Tom Flanagan, maybe here, right. um, and also Jack Baldwin to an extent, who's yeah. nowhere to be seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's certain players like that who maybe started off all right last season, yeah. almost like they were like oh, bloody element Sunderland, mm-hmm. but they've gone the opposite way. I think. Do, do you see anyone like the, the Tom Flanagans of the Sunderland team actually coming out of this lull and maybe doing what you did essentially yeah. and, and becoming like an integral part? Mm-hmm. Do you think they're just not going to? Do they look like they can't hack it? Uh, as I say, it's, it's tough for me to judge. Obviously, playing yeah. a lot myself last season and judging off what I've seen so far. And yeah, I know a few people are, are digging Tom Flanagan out, and but in a way, it's it's like me playing on the right right back, if you like. You know, I haven't really got yeah. a right peg. I'm ninety five percent left footed. You know what I mean? So I feel sorry. He's the one who's been pushed across on the left hand side. Just in, there were a couple of incidences where he may, he may have made a mistake or two last week. As you know, tell me a game on a Saturday where Premier League players don't make mistakes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just dealing with them mistakes. And putting it behind you, as I said, when I, when I first come up, you know, if I made a mistake in that, I probably wouldn't get over it till a Tuesday or a Wednesday. The older you get, the more experience you get. You think, right, I've got to put it to bed now. Back out on the training pitch on a Monday morning, get focused, ready for the game either on a Tuesday evening or ready for the game next Saturday. And you can't do nothing about that game that's gone. And you've just got to, you know, so man up and, and get ready for the next game and and try and go out there and put in a seven, eight out of ten performance. How important do you think it is to have? I mean, it's it's an obvious question I suppose it's rhetorical in a way but I'm thinking of the team that you played in and the teams that you played in there was characters all over the pitch yeah. I mean we were talking before about Carlos great character what yeah. a great guy Nyron fantastic character um, Johnny Evans would have came in at one point yeah. I'm assuming great guy incredibly professional um, which he's shown throughout his career yeah. uh, Darren Ward was an experienced um, yeah. goalkeeper with, with plenty of character David Conley Stephen Elliott all really strong characters mm-hmm. And when I think of the Sunderland team and I think like the nowadays yeah. and I think, right, who's the character that's going to put the arm around Tom Flanagan, put yeah, the arm yeah, around Denver like Hume and say, look, you know what? Bollocks to it. Get out. Yeah. I don't, the only name that comes to my mind is uh, Chris Maguire. Do you yeah. think we lack characters? I'll say the funny thing for me is the one thing I, 
I can't understand in a way is I think he's made Grant. Grant's been made the captain. Yeah. Grant hasn't kicked the ball yet this season, has he? No. Which. Not a minute. For me personally, I, I don't understand in a way. I think if you're sitting down to select your captain, I'm thinking who's going to be out there on a Saturday for me as your, your general out on the pitch, really. Um, you know, nine times out of ten, he's going to play unless he's going through a bad, you know, period of, of form. Uh, he's nine times out of ten, he's going to be the, the first name on the team sheet. So he's put Grant down as his club captain. I never get this club captain and match day captain business either. Do you know, you're either the captain or you're not the captain, you know. Yeah. Um, to me, if, if well, I haven't seen Grant in pre-season I don't know you're saying his legs have gone back but I think Grant is still more than capable you know there's an experience of sitting in front of the back four should be, dictating play yeah. but you've got your likes of McGeo Max Power the, the similar type of players do you know what I mean They've, yeah. and from what I mean I haven't seen much of Dobson I've only seen him last week by all accounts you're telling me he's a box to box midfielder last week I didn't really see that to me sort of sat alongside McGeo and just got the ball and, and played it easy so they're all like for like sort of centre midfielders Um in terms of your experience, McGeady's, I think he was captain yesterday, wasn't he? When he yeah, played, it was McGeady, yeah. Uh, McLaughlin the week before, but your keeper is your captain. I mean, funny enough, I've, I've left Grimsby now, the keeper down there, Mac has been made the captain. I always think an outfield player is more suited to being the captain in terms of he gets around the pitch, he can get to people. But if you're looking for experienced lads in the team at the minute, there's not too many other than, say, Grant and perhaps Aidan McGeady who've got the experience of, of playing at that higher level who can, you know, as you say, get the arms around the lads, tell them what it's all about, you know, in front of 30, 40,000 in League One, what they're not used to having come from clubs, perhaps, you know, with a lesser fan base and, and playing in front of 10, 15,000 on a Saturday, it's, it's not yeah. as demanding as what it is when you play for Sunderland. What do you think, Sam, in terms of, because I was going to come to the captaincy a little bit later on, um, for what it's worth, I'm, I'm fully in the camp with you, Danny, that if you're going to have a captain, put him on the pitch. Yeah. I think from memory, just after you left, because you were captain at the beginning of the season. I was, yeah. And then Katz came in and Katz got the on-the-pitch captaincy and Bowler's End and got the off-pitch no, no, captaincy. No, I think Lorik Sarna. Oh, Lorik Sarna. Oh, it, what a man. Sorry, Sarna, yeah. It was... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to sound posh. Yeah, my last game. My <laughs> last game, um, we played Blackburn at home and we, I think we beat them 2-1. 2-1, we did. And then we went down to Stoke the following Saturday and I was on the bench. And you got, got sold a day later. I put on the bench. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Two> <laughs> no, Stoke. Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday. Yeah, so I went down to, we went down to Stoke and I didn't play and I think... I'm sure Lorik was the captain that day. He I was. Lorik yeah, you're right. got the armband. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a strange one. You know, Stephen made me the captain pre-season. We got off to a pretty good start, and we won two of the first three games. And as I say, you know, you know, he called me in on the Tuesday, told me there was interest from Stoke, and I wasn't going to be playing on the Saturday, which is a strange one. Where I'm on a high. You know, we've just we're on six points out of nine the first three games of the season. Uh, captain of the club. And for the manager to call me in and tell me that I'm perhaps not a part of his plans and I wouldn't be playing on the Saturday was a bit of a strange one, but that's football, you know. That's Steve Bruce. We can yeah. criticise him now because he's gone to them. It's all right. <laughs> um, what What do you think, Sam, in terms of the captaincy? Uh, who would you have given it to? And uh, do you think the whole club captain thing is good or bad? No, I agree with what Danny said. I think your captain should be the first name on the team sheet. Like, like you were saying, if you're Tom Flanagan struggling and you're looking saying right who do I go to and Lebert is sitting on the bench he's got no one really on the pitch I mean I do think McGeady was probably the right choice yesterday because of his experience but I yeah. don't see him as a leader it's hard because this was the whole debate last season with Honeyman and I was a big fan of Honeyman but I think people got tired of the fact that he couldn't be dropped because he was captain so I don't know if Ross has went completely the other way this season and thought right I'll have a club captain which I do get a bit confused about but and then I can just pick and choose my team and then when I've got my 11 I'll pick a captain out of that I, before the season I would have said Max Power because I I do like Ledbetter but I do think he's I don't think his legs have gone but I don't think he could play every game or 90% of games so to me it would have been Max Power before the season but yeah. going on the starting 11 he's got now it's hard because the obvious choice is McLaughlin but like Danny was saying I'm not a fan of a keeper being captain I think it should be a centre half or a centre midfielder, yeah. yeah. Someone who's in and around everyone, barking orders. So out of the team he's got, it's really hard to pick if he's going to go with them because I know Dobson, I think he was captain for a bit of Walsall, but I don't think he'll give it to him. I don't don't think McGeoch could be captain. I don't think maybe Willis, but he's just came, obviously. So. i to teach him to pass the ball first. I know. Uh, um, 
that's the worry with Willis. That is like... If you're listening, Jordan, I'm sure you'll get better. Please. <laughs> Tom, what, what's your thoughts on uh, Granty being... Uh, well, personally, I've got no problem with Grant. I think the lines he's gone down is a similar line to Honeyman. If he wants a local lad, someone who gets the club both inside and out, you'll hear a lot of... Maybe not as much in football, but in other sports, is that the value of the captain is off the field as well as on the field. But for me... With them choosing Ledbetter and then not picking him for the first two games kind of just highlights how he still doesn't know his best side because if he knew his best side, he would be able to pick a captain. Now, effectively, we've had three captains in two games because Jack Ross doesn't know what side he wants to play, what formation he wants to play, and so on and so forth. The worry for me is that there isn't really a, a standout player where everyone could go... Yeah, he's a captain. Maybe Willis in the future, but he's had... I think it's fair to say he's had a shaky start. Yeah. Is probably the nicest thing you can say. I'm sure he will improve, but that then you're, you're looking at changing your captain midway through the season. And I I don't know what Danny thinks, but is changing your captain halfway through the season, is that something that is a big no-no because you're taking it from one person to another yeah, I think and creating looks, a split? It looks silly on yourself, if you know what I mean. I think, mm-hmm. obviously... Well, from from where I see it now is obviously Grant's his club captain. Then last week McLaughlin wore it because Aidan McGeady didn't start, did he? So I'm guessing no that Aidan McGeady's the vice captain because he wore the armband yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think I, I don't know. Come to the start of the season, everyone's fresh, everyone's a pick from. He's probably sat down as you say. They might have thought Grant, the local lad, knows the history of the club. The fans will like that he gives it. But to me, you know, they've played 180 minutes and Grant hasn't kicked the ball yet. I just think it. It's a it's a strange one for me. I've been at, I've been at clubs before where I've been classed as the club captain, and then we've had an on field captain, which is you know you don't know you, people are giving tickets out. You know the captain usually gets the ticket, you know the the match day tickets for the players to give out and stuff. You're looking at each other. Are you going to do it or am I going to do it? And it's just to me it takes respect cap- away. Yeah, a bit, just doesn't it? Yeah. I don't get the old club captain, the on pitch captain. Just name your captain as mm-hmm. he's your captain. Mm-hmm. It's like years ago. Peter Reid is he going to say oh, Kevin Ball is the captain right but Kevin not playing and I'm so, do you know what I mean it's just Borley was yeah, and Borley had an aura around him didn't he yeah. and I mean yeah. I know he's here a long time yeah. and obviously I know that when he I mean if it was well well not well before my time but before my time but when Borley first came in and so he tells me he wasn't he didn't play that great mm-hmm. and obviously relegation in his first season as well but I think when you look at Borley you, you see a captain yeah, yeah. and I know Cats didn't have the captaincy all the time because mm. he got a few red cards yeah, and whatnot, yeah, but you look at the cats and you've seen yeah. at least a leader. Mm-hmm. Grant, if he was playing every week, potentially, yeah. Um, in terms of his ability, I think I'll echo what Sam and, and Tom have said. I've, I've not been impressed with Grant since he's come back, right. to be to be completely honest. And I think I don't mind him sitting. The worry for me is he does put the ball out from 40 yards. I don't mind Hollywood passes if they reach a man. Yeah. Um, and so far he hasn't done that. But yeah, it's very still very early in his comeback. And obviously he's had a lot of a lot of personal issues as well, which I'll, I'll probably give him leeway for. But would he be automatic in the team? At that? Not for me, mm. not not at the moment. Um, and also, just to go back to what you're saying, I'd want someone like Kevin Ball on the pitch, someone who's yeah. not necessarily the hard man, just yeah. someone that you just look at it and you go, yep, that's the leader. Respect of the players. As Massively. Well, like, and mm. sadly, there's no one that sticks mm. out. I'll mm. go back to what Sam said. A few people laughed at me with this, but Max Power seems like I've heard he's... Great around the dressing room. That's right. why he got yeah. in the team a lot yeah. last year because he's a good talker. Yeah. Obviously, he seems to have a good bit of a banter. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, D-Love has now left, so his, his best mate's gone and the social media is not as good as it was. And again, he's another one who hasn't kicked the ball yet, hasn't he? Exactly. He yeah. Season, yeah. yeah. So, um, apparently unfit, but he's been on the bench, I think, two weeks in a row. So mm-hmm. if you're fit enough for the bench, you're yeah. fit enough for the first Come team, in, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Going back to sort of Jack Ross, because it is a hot topic of conversation and, and I think it will be for a while. A lot of the people that are in the Jack Ross camp, they'll turn around and they'll say, well, if he goes, who do you bring in? And you touched on it before. And and one thing that I found about that particular question, and I don't know if I'm just on Twitter too much, but there's an awful lot of nostalgia added into it. You'll find, oh, get Super Kevin, get Roy Keenan, get get Reedy in. What, what about Borley? What about Sam Allardyce? Like, no one really looks outside. I mean, there is people that look outside of it, but even the outside opinions are a bit of a risk. I mean, Gary Rowett was was the, the, the hot name when Moisey went and let's just yeah. say he hasn't done that great. Yeah. Um, but I'll throw this one to Tom. Say that Jack Ross got the boot, right? How do you? Which manager do you go for? What's the name on the top of your head? And if you don't have a name, what kind of style of manager do you need to bring in? 
Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. First of all, I don't want Gary Rowis because I got a little inside line on him and I got total lump on him going to Sheffield Wednesday. So, and he didn't go. Ab- absolutely no. Um, he owes he owes us twenty quid for that. But um, t- to be honest, there's there's not a name that jumps out because if we cast our minds back to when we got Jack Ross in. Is everybody at that point was screaming for a young manager, a hungry manager, someone who maybe wasn't the obvious choice? Now we've got that, and we're hitting the stumbling blocks that new managers do hit. Steve Bruce is always a hungry manager. Yeah, but that's it. But even, you know, you, you can look at, at Sheffield Wednesday, if, um, sorry, not Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United, Wilder, early on in his career, he had a few stumbling blocks. Eddie Howe's had stumbling blocks when he's been at Bournemouth. Is Good young managers do hit these periods of time where they do struggle. I remember not that long ago there was discussions that Eddie Howe was gonna, you know, he's gonna be England manager. Then he was gonna get sacked from Bournemouth, and then he's back to being the best thing since sliced bread. Sean Dyke is another one. So managers do have the lulls. Do we sit it out? I don't know. Do we sit it out because it's not a better option? I, I honestly don't know where to look. I think we've just had every kind of manager under the sun yeah. at this football club. We've had the Fruit Loops, we've had the old guard, we've had the up and comers, we've you know, we've paid fortunes to get in people like Sam Allardyce, David Moyes. It has worked, it hasn't worked. As a club, I, I don't honestly know what manager suits this team at this point. And maybe that stems from the fact that because Jack Ross doesn't know his best side, is we can't see the best side ourselves. Yeah. So we can't really form an opinion on who the obvious, you know, who the obvious candidate is. Um, I think we are in a, you know, in between a rock and a hard place at the moment in terms of Jack Ross, and it is frustrating. So I, I just don't know where we go from here. I think, and that's probably the last thing we need is, is we've spent the last sort of twelve month getting the club back on track, trying to get it in the right kind of direction to sort of destabilise that a little bit is is an ideal. And another thing I'll touch on is on the pitch is we, we lack composure on the pitch. And I suppose you can bring it back to captain as you want a captain who's a composed footballer. And, you know, I think that's been a big a big miss is we've, la- we've lacked a lot of composure as a team. Um, but maybe that needs to come from the top. Maybe the owners need to be more composed. Maybe the manager needs to be composed. Because the reality is we could win our next five games now and this Jack Ross discussion is is almost arbitrary. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, that's the fine margins of football. So so maybe just having a bit of composure and just sitting tight for five, six more games, maybe, you know, maybe that's the way forward. I think I was speaking to to Josh before, and we were talking about like young managers, and I think Danny Danny Cowley is another one that's done really well Lincoln. at yeah. Lincoln. Yeah, um, but but then again, sorry, would he leave the Lincoln project at this point in time? Way I, of course he would. Do you think? Because I I, I think that you can see you can see the draw, you can see the draw, but yeah. the managing Sunderland does come with a hell of a lot of pressure. I mean, Danny touched on it before just the amount of pressure you get as a player and I think to an extent with certain managers is that pressure is is even more I think probably the best example would be Martin O'Neill I remember when Martin O'Neill came in and the pressure on him to do well was astronomical because he was a well-regarded manager but he was a self-confessed Sunderland fan as well so he just immediately there's that extra pressure there so and and we've seen Certain certain managers, certain players can handle pressure, and certain players can't. So I think if we do sack Ross, that is something that needs to be given consideration for. Is we need a manager who can handle that level of pressure. And for me, I'm not sure there's a manager in League One who's got that ability. I think when you're looking for that ability to deal with pressure, is you've got to start looking higher than League One. And can and we afford can that? Them. Yeah, and will it come? Exactly. I think I was talking about Danny Cowley as well, but for, for every Danny Cowley that could go on and do well, you've got a, a Paul Hurst who absolutely effectively ruined Ipswich and now, yeah. now is in, mm. in the doldrums. But yeah. Paul Clements, another one. He was going oh, to be Paul the best Clement. thing since sliced Jeez. bread. Yeah. Done nothing. Nah. Sam, if 
and I know you said at the moment you're, you're Jack Ross in, um, so I respect your views as much as they may be wrong. Um, <laughs> if you were to replace him, who would you bring in or where would you look? The name at the top of my head is Kevin Ball. Mm-hmm. And it's more for the fans because we've got a, we've obviously got a great set of fans, but I do feel like when we get managers in that no one knows like Jack Ross and like we have in the past, it's very easy when things to start to go wrong, see how he's the problem. But I feel like if we get someone in like Bawley, who all the fans love and sort of idolise, it'll be there'll be a bit more of a togetherness, so they won't just be like, get him out, we need someone new, yeah. when things start to not go to plan, really. But I am Jack Ross in, but it's more leaning towards it then, yeah. firm. But it, it is more because I think who who we're going to get, and there's, there's one thing sacking him, but you've got to have someone lined up, and it's got to be someone who's going to fit, because all I could see us getting is maybe a League 2 hungry manager who sees it as like what Simon Grayson kind of did, took a oh step God, up to Simon try and Grayson. save us and then you, we all know how that went. So Cold I think, shivers down the all of us. I know. I know. So top of the league, aren't they? Blackpool at the minute. Oh, I don't think <laughs> about that. Oh, I don't. Do you not fancy getting your badges, Danny? Yeah, Give yeah. Give it no, <laughs> I've done my B licence. Um, so, yeah, it's something I think I'd like to, right. to look at going into and the coaching side of it, I think, yeah, so... Fast forward, you've got step, I think. We need yeah. a left back, never mind a coach. So if you yeah. Ah, yeah, if you're <laughs> mate, get me boots on. Need a left foot defender. Yeah. Carlos uh, was desperate to get his boots on yesterday as well. Yeah. So we could we yeah. get the get the get the gang get back the band together, back, back together. Yeah. yeah. And the next question I wanted to ask you actually kind of um, relates to. So last night I did a a talk in at the fans museum. Yeah. If anyone hasn't been, by the way, fantastic bit of uh, nostalgia, great little place. Someone brought up a question to Carlos Edwards. Um, who was doing the night last night, and he, he basically asked it quite well. Rather than saying, do you think Roy Keane, because there's a lot of talk about, we talk about nostalgia, and a lot of people go, oh, it feels like Roy Keane has unfinished business. Mm-hmm. And, and in a way, actually, I don't know if it's nostalgia taken over for me, I, I actually wouldn't mind Keane back, but I'm, I'm very biased towards him. But the question that he, he related uh, related to Carlos was, not so much do you think he'd do a job here, but with these players at his disposal, do you think Roy Keane could get the side promoted with this squad of players? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it's, isn't it? It's a, it's a tough one to answer, really, though, isn't it? You, you don't know. Um, How long would Tom Fanning Too many. Yeah, no, 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 I'd like to see that. <laughs> you're on about, obviously, you're having your leader on the pitch to, to get the lad sorted. He'd certainly... You know, in the meeting room or the the changing rooms at half time, he sort of get into a few of the boys and and sort them out in that in that way. But um, you know, when he when he came in, he he brought a load of fresh players in, didn't he? As you yeah. say, yeah, you know, Danny Simpson came in, Johnny Evans, he brought the lads in. You know, Liam uh, Liam Miller, Kavanagh, Ross Wallace. You know, we had a lot of players come in thick and fast, really, and and for him it turned around quite quick, and we went on that good run. Yeah. Um, so I imagine, obviously, he'd have to if he came in now. You know, he'd, he'd have to work with the squad what he's got, and would he be able to turn it? You know, say turn it round. I mean, obviously, there's only two games gone. Um, it's it's one of them questions you, you don't know until he's actually in the building. You see how it go, but I certainly think he'd come in, stamp his authority down, and, and you know, put his own methods onto things and, and try and get the boys fired up and, and used to the surroundings if you know if that's the word you want to use in terms of getting them used to playing at the stadium and not to not to go under when the pressure comes I think the big thing for me with Roy Keane and, and someone mentioned this I can't remember who it was but we're talking about managers that have been successful with Sunderland mm-hmm. and in, in my lifetime Peter Reid's the obvious the obvious choice yeah. um, Roy Keane is the other choice and Sam Allardyce and, and someone mentioned and, and this is where I think Jack Ross fails a little bit Roy Keane Peter Reid Sam Allardyce all had standards. They set a standard at Sunderland, like not just you're playing for Sunderland, but also the case of like, look, if you don't buck your ideas up, you're not going to get four or five chances. And sometimes I feel like Jack Ross, especially last season, yeah. spoke a lot about other oh, character we've scored in every game again. I know to draw, but other oh, lads have done well to come back. Yeah. And he was almost giving them that sort of, oh, well, come on, don't don't be horrible to them. They've, right. they've done all right. And yeah. I understand that. Mm. I understand standing up for your players. It's yeah. very much in an Arsene Wenger sort of yeah, way of in, managing. In the press, the sort of managers have to try and do that because I think yeah. if players listen to it and then, they, oh, fucking hell, the manager's digging us all out or the yeah. manager sounds a bit morbid like then. Do you know what I mean? And it, I think Ricky Sabrazier actually did that when we conceded against Spurs and that's when right. things folded. So I understand right. not digging players out and yeah, I yeah. certainly don't think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. 
But I think Roy Keane had a very good way of not digging anyone out, yeah. but at the same time setting a standard. Yeah, Sam yeah, Allardyce yeah, did the same. And mm-hmm. he would, would almost be with his tactics and the teams that he would play. Like German Lenz obviously wasn't pulling his weight at that point. Yeah. Sam Allardyce didn't play him. Barini went through a little bit of that as well, mm-hmm. didn't play him and brought yeah. other people in. And there was almost like a standard where you had players fighting for the position, especially under Keane. Yeah. You had, you know, if someone didn't play well, there was someone that could come in and, and fill that position That's easily. No yeah. problem. You had Ross Wallace, Toby Heisen on the left. Yeah. And there was a sort of a standard there. And it sometimes feels like Jack Ross doesn't really have an idea of what his best team is anyway. Mm-hmm. And it certainly doesn't feel like there's a, a standard there from him yeah. that's been set. I, I am not inspired by that. Keane, Allardyce, mm-hmm. really, all really inspired me personally. Yeah, okay. And I imagine as players, they, yeah. they, they did yeah, as well. characters as well, yeah. Completely. Yeah. Do you think that maybe Jack Ross is just, just the wrong character for Sunderland? I don't know. Again, um, if you look at it from from the outside point of view, fans really only get to see an hour and a half of. Do you know what I'm saying? Of what yeah, it's like. Course. You don't see the the training ground every the night. What the manager? Yeah. yeah. What the managers? Well, you will if you watch Netflix, I suppose. But <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. True. In terms of what the managers are like in the in the meeting rooms, what they're like on away trips. You know, um, half time talk. You know, all that side of things. You don't really get to see that again. You're only judging of what you see over the ninety minutes, and, yeah. and fans have obviously got their opinion of what they're seeing and. At the minute, you know, the majority, I'm guessing, aren't too happy of, of what they're, they're they're seeing. You know, I was, again, I went to the game last week and I did perhaps expect a bit more uh, mm. for a team who are favourites to, to go up automatically. A bit more football. The final ball wasn't quite there. Do you know, it was just breaking down at times too easy. So, yeah, I can see I can see the frustration coming coming from the fans. But, um, again, it's for me, I think it was mentioned there, it's fine margins in football. So, you know, obviously the fans are perhaps split on whether they want Jack Ross to, to stay or go. How many, you know, if you've got to ask the question in terms of fine margins, last season they lost, you know, over 90 minutes and, and, a, pl- and a penalty shootout. You know, Sunderland could have won the double, if you like, you know. Yeah. What would the fans' opinions have been of Jack Ross then if they'd have got promoted, if they'd have beat Portsmouth in that, in the, the cup final? It's, it's you know, Jack Ross, you know, you're probably looking at 80%. You know, we're happy with him and that, but because yeah. them two results didn't go that way, then it is fine. He's, margin, he's failed in a way, like if you really you know, fine margin. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It could so easily, and I think, I think you touched on it before, Tom, that it's not impossible that we could win the next five games. Um, oh, absolutely not. Completely not. And God, absolutely I hope we win on Saturday because I hate Portsmouth. But, but again, that brings me back to the to what we discussed at the start: is why has a formation that was so close to working? Yes, being swapped when every summer signing we've made has addressed a specific issue with an old formation and that's kind of what I don't get and I think it's what a lot of Sunderland fans don't get because we were expecting to see progression of a system that we stuck with for 60 odd games last season and it's it's just not happened so I don't think he's done himself favours in that in that sense that actually was my next question I was Mm -hmm. going to say like obviously he decided to play a formation of three at the back this year but he hasn't signed anyone that can play that formation no no. he signed the weak you you pointed out before he signed players apart from a big athletic midfield in the middle because I don't know if Dobson's the guy like I said you said before that he doesn't look box to box to me from what I've seen in the first game no he just sat alongside McGill and just ticked it over barely but I think I think the system needs kind of has negated them a bit as we mentioned just before the pod is because the back three are so uncomposed and the the lack of composure for me runs through the team bar a few individuals like McGeady who's played at you know some of the highest levels his time almost slows down when he gets the ball in this division but when you've got players like Flanagan he's getting the ball he's not composed and he pumps it up to Greg as a centre midfielder, you must be looking at that, watching that ball going over your head and watching Will Greg go up for a header against two six-foot-four centre-halves and think, what's the point of me running 20 yards up the pitch because I'm just running 20 yards back 10 seconds later? You know what I mean? It's, it's an, and if they chased every long ball, all the mid two centre midfielders are doing is just running backwards and forwards, just watching the ball just get pumped over their head because there's a lot of teams in this division who do get the ball, like Danny mentioned before, is it Ipswich? They hit the long ball as well, but they competed. So you had an idea pick yeah. it up at the top. But your, mid, your midfield at that point is just it's a waste of time, you know, especially when you've got two midfield. I think Dobson's six foot, Mickey Oxide. He's not over Five six foot. foot. Two, he's like, like ah, he's, he's tiny, you know. And we're pumping balls over their head. So all they're going to do for a majority of the game is just run backwards and forwards, just chasing a ball that they're never going to really 
get on. Just wasting energy, basically. Yeah, isn't pretty it? much. Yeah, so I think so. The thing ultimately, they do end up sitting deeper because you just you just can't. You know, it's like that scene in goal in it where he kicks a ball and he can never find is that all you're gonna end up? Is the kids are just gonna run for a ball, they're never gonna catch other. I think and I, I hate to bring the name back up, but I think a lot of people talked about um Josh Madger going and yeah, you miss his goals massively, and I think that really, really cost yeah. us last season. But the big thing for me, I went to get the St. Mirren game last preseason, mm-hmm. and there was so much cohesion between Madger, Honeyman, Gucci, mm-hmm. um, Maguire. And they just worked so well together. And obviously, McGeady was injured at that point. But we just seemed to know what that team was meant yeah. to be about. And there was so much... like we, Yeah, we did have the, the two sitting midfielders in that game. I think McGeoch played alongside... I can't quite remember going back a while now. And that was a, a heavy day on the buck fast, I'll be honest. Um, but that front four just worked together so well. Now it's almost like... Because Madge has gone, they've just abandoned it and led it. But I'll go back to what you said before, Danny. Yeah. I think a lot of teams, maybe just halfway through the season as well, also clicked on that. We like to play that from the back. So they were just like, look, he's shite, he's shite, he's shite. Just push up against him. He'll launch it. Mm-hmm. They've got knee lad up front that can pick it up. Because, yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, Charlie White, to be fed and was coming back from mm-hmm. injury. Yeah, and, yeah, and the yeah. one time where Charlie White looked pretty decent, actually that kind of worked. The Doncaster game, yeah. human, uh, sorry, yeah. Hume, um, Dunn, sorry, Jimmy Dunn, mm-hmm. and um, Ozturk just launched the ball out of, out of play it was route one football yeah. because Charlie White was a bit on form and could bring it down and actually give us an option and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with long ball football no, I quite enjoyed that percentage based football yeah. that Allardyce used yeah, to play yeah. as long as you have yeah. the players to do it the players mm-hmm. to do it and you, as, long as, as long as you say look that, that's how we're going to play mm-hmm. big Charlie's going to get the ball and he's going to flick it and, and, yeah. and it could potentially work but it feels to me like that's either not what Jack Ross wants and the players are just too panicked and it, but then Jack Ross has to come in and say, look, Oxford or whoever it may be, Ipswich, they know we want to play out from the back, so they're going to push up high. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's easy for me to say that. Like, I can see the problem, but at the same time, I'm not paid to fix the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the big problem is that I don't think Jack Ross knows how. I think Jack Ross could get a good team put together. I think he knows what position he wants to play, but when the problems come and the other teams have their whatever they're going to do to counteract how we want to play, he's got. He, I don't think there's a plan B there. For, well, how the hell do I change that? Yeah, I, like, I don't want to bring the word up again, but again, the word composure rings true. Massively, yeah. Early doors, last season, we played out a lot from the back. We played the ball a lot along the floor. And when players were composed, they knew that someone was going to be there. They were going to have an option here, there, or somewhere along the pitch. And as the season drew on and... And I think part of it was the fact that we were conceding goals. It's players like Baldwin and Flanagan started to panic. So rather than look for that pass out of the back or that simple ball, and you see it now because the amount of groans, especially where I am in the south stand, yeah. every time Flanagan or whoever else is playing at centre-back just launches one when there's a simple five-yard pass beside him. But it's, it's, it's just so... It's that lack of composure and that long ball that puts the side on the back foot because we're not winning the ball up the top end of the pitch, is we made a point last season, me and the lads I go to the match with, is we were looking when the long balls were getting hit and how long it was taking for that long ball to end up back on the edge of our area. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, it was, it was like 10, 15 seconds, which is just unsustainable. And then we end up sitting deeper to counteract it, and then it's like a snowball effect. Yeah. And that's what Jack Ross kind of hasn't hasn't addressed and I don't know as a, as a player Danny how yep. would how would you deal with that if you're not feeling confident making that pass yep. do you just start hoofing it long or do you force yourself to, to find that uh, ball no I think obviously if Jack Ross has told the centre half to say to, to try and split to try and get it in a 3-5-2 I think if I'm the left centre half there if I'm getting off the keeper your first pass is perhaps you're looking for Denver Hume if he's at you know your wing back if he's yeah. on if he's not you've got to miss him out Sometimes the the strikers make your decision for you in terms of their movement dictates where you put the ball. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If you've got two strikers who are just not running channels for you, you can't you know you can't leave a ball in behind their fullback or you know if they're too, if they're quite isolated in the middle of the park, standing there not offering much, you've got to try and drop it onto them. They're not winning it. You know, again the the groans are going to come and it, it makes you look bad in a way. So you know, as I say, they more often than not I think the, the strikers or your centre mids whoever they can help you out by their movement and they dictate what type of ball you can play 
in terms of obviously there's a lot of should we say constructive criticism at least from you lads I've been I've not been very uh, constructive but that's not my job I guess yeah, I, um, I but one thing I wanted to sort of I wanted to look at maybe some positives so Sam has there been any players that have impressed you in the opening two games um, <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> I think if going off last uh, the last week's game Oxford I thought McGeoch looked great yes I thought yep. for me last week cemented that he should be the first centre mid on the team sheet unless Ledbetter needs to come in because of the captaincy or whatever. But I'm a gear every time for me. But then oh. yesterday it just showed that they had done a bit of the homework and every time he got the ball there was just two players running at him. And I guess we should have counteracted that with helping him out more. I mean, we just sort of looked at him as if like, where are you going to pass it rather than mm-hmm. moving? But I think McGeoch maybe, yeah. Um, and Willis has looked a bit shaky, but I thought yesterday in the four as the right centre-back, you could see his pace shining through, like if yeah. it went over O-9's head, he was round the back, and he looked he looked very comfortable yesterday in the back four, but... Anything to be said for Gooch? Looked a little bit better I thought he, he was having one of the match yesterday for me. I thought no one had a good first half, but he was the only one that looked like he had a bit of fight in him, and he was like, he was holding people off, and he's, he's obviously, he's not the tallest, but he is a bit stocky in that, but no, I thought he was definitely having one of the match yesterday, and I thought he played quite well against Oxford as well. One thing I wanted to sort of throw at you as well, um, Tom. I know obviously, I think I think we'd all agree, McGeoch's looked all right in the opening two games. Gooch has got two and two. I know one was a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, been, I've been really, I wouldn't say impressed with Gooch, but it, he, he, I wanted to tear my hair out with him in the second half of last season. But yeah. with Gucci, he looks a little bit, still hangs on to it a bit too much, but it's nice to see a play with a bit of fire in his belly to change things. When he scores, you can see like that penalty last week, he picked that ball. That's yeah. my penalty. I've yeah. won it. I'm taking it. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone that's impressed you, Tom? And how would you change it if if there was anyone you'd like to bring in? Uh, well, I feel f- for how how much he's done. I quite like the look of McNulty. Yeah, he's just busy and he, he's at yeah. he's at shit house that we're after. You know, we've got Maguire in there who's always doing that, and I think Maguire's a bit of a fan favorite. He looked good when he came on yesterday. I thought yep. I thought he. You know, we talk about holding the ball up a bit better. He manages to make the ball stick a bit better he up the really top. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah I think and that. He might not be the tallest or the strongest, but he's aggressive. And I think that's what you need in this division. You need a bit of aggression, which is probably why Gucci has looked a bit better this, you know, start of this season. He's come out, he's got a bit of fire about him, like you yeah. say. He's aggressive. And McNulty, again, you know, yesterday he got the goal because he's just chasing lost causes. I think they're the three standouts. However, Standing out in that side, you know, Bar McGeoch, it's not a hard job at the moment. I mean, even no. even the most solid of players at the moment are looking shaky. I feel like O'Neill yesterday looked suspect at times. What happened? What's happened to John McLaughlin? Yeah, I don't know because there's no yeah. there is no way he conceded that goal last season. Absolutely no. Do way. you reckon there's a bit a bit of a, talking about John McLaughlin? Bit of a worry there, Sam, with the, the whole contract situation. I mean. I was told we'd would offer him offered him a contract about a month month ago when the rumours of him to go first came along. My, my worry with John McLaughlin is he's came out and said, "Well, I can't can't sign something that's not there." The championship window's closed. Are we just going? Ah, well, fair enough. We're under no pressure to get rid of him, and that's knocked him a bit. It wouldn't. It would knock me if yeah. if there's a, suddenly a yeah, contract definitely. and then I mean, has that ever happened to you, Danny? There's been a contract on the table and all of a sudden it's disappeared and that's affected your mindset, which is um, in turn affected. Like you get word that perhaps oh, someone's interested or something along those lines, so you might try and hold off on a new deal and just to see how that develops and that yeah. sort of stuff. But I don't think it affects you too much. When you, once you're out on the training pitch and that, you get on with it. Do you know what I mean? You sort of switch off from that until you you come back in the changing rooms and, yeah. and your agent's on the phone in your ear and that sort of stuff. You know, back to McLaughlin there. I'm, I mean, I only watched the game. I thought he was okay last week. I thought he was quite good with his feet and that. I mean, I see the goal yesterday where it's got drilled under him at the near post. Yeah. But um, apart from that, I haven't seen what he was like in the rest of the game. But I think, was he not pretty steady last season? And uh, Aside from McGeady, probably our best player. Right. Yeah, yeah, and then I thought, I'd say last week, I thought he was good with his feet last week. His distribution was quite good in terms of, you know, he was getting pressed. He popped it round the forward pressing him or he flipped it out to the, to the left back and, you know, he, he seemed quite composed on the ball for... You know, for the keeper. Maybe just have a bit more patience with him. Right. Yeah. Oh. Um, so, leading up to this week, I've stupidly booked up the go to Accrington Stanley. I don't know why, but it is a game of football we have on <laughs> Tuesday. And then we're leading up to uh, the Dirty Word, that is Portsmouth, on the Saturday. So, quick question regarding the Accrington game. We'll touch on it ever so slightly. 
do we take the League Cup seriously? Try and play a normal first eleven, Sam, and get some cohesion going, or do we do we play a, a rotated side and concentrate on Pompey? Um, I think it's got to be rotated, especially like you say with Portsmouth around the corner. Like, cause yeah, I think that's a huge game for Jack Ross. It could turn ugly on Saturday if Portsmouth turn up and play us off the park. But definitely, if that lad that tried to attack uh, Luke and Nine turned, uh, it was definitely going to turn ugly because he was not the most attractive. Of no, me. he wasn't, was he? No. No, um, Goblin. I think you need to take the cup seriously, obviously, but it's got to be a rotated side. And then you never know, we could play with lead, bitter, and power, and they could run the game, and then that kicks people into gear, saying, Yeah, look what can happen. They might show you that they can start against Portsmouth or come off the bench or just kick people up the backside, really. It's probably what we need. So maybe get like a little bit of competition going yeah, with the players that haven't played. Probably what's needed, to be honest. Max Power. What do you think, Tom? Do we, do we go in? Normal eleven. Uh, no, I'm the same as Sam. Yeah. If if we've got to tank it, we've got to tank it. But for me, there's seven spots up for grabs in that side. Yeah. So you've got to you've got to give the lads on the bench on the fringes a chance to get in. I, there was discussion the other day. Uh, Jack Bainbridge. He played a few games in yeah. preseason. Looks solid. Give the kid a chance because, uh, like Danny says, it's a, we are digging out Flanagan a little bit. But I tell you what, after Flanagan's first two games. I'm not sure Bainbridge could do much worse, to be honest. No, I and, agree with that. And to be honest, you know, if we get a few players who are in and around the fringes, power needs a bit of fitness. You know, might do Wimbledon's confidence the world of good if he gets in, gets a goal, gets an assist. Will Greg could probably do with it as well, you know. Got one um, down last season, so uh-huh. maybe goes that so, and thinks back a couple So there's, of you know, there's spots up for grabs, but there needs to be a change in the mentality. There needs to be a bit more aggression and whatnot. So if we make seven or eight changes... We're aggressive, but we lose. I don't think many people will mind as long as we can say we're working towards something different. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think if we go to that and, and it's the same as this week, it's the same as the week before, and it's the same as the way we finished last season, is people that's when it'll start a turn and then it, Portsmouth becomes a hell of a fiasco game. So just to kind of cover off then, my feelings on Portsmouth have, have been pretty well aired. <laughs> um, and I, I will die on that hill. I cannot stand them. Um, apart from Hugh Hugh's alright I'm doing the extra podcast on this week I've got to be nice oh, it's the bloke with the bell the ah, bloke with the oh bell god. oh god oh Pompey if you're listening we're not fans no. um, but Portsmouth game say I felt like Saturday was the biggest or one of the bigger games of the season because I've tipped Ipswich to win the league um, I think I think Portsmouth have bought really well um, which I, mm. I don't I, I wish they didn't <laughs> I wish, I wish they'd done Pretty really much. badly and suffered horribly. Yeah. Um, but Danny, what what do you think? Do you think do you think we can turn over Portsmouth on Saturday? Of course they can. Yeah, I think certainly no one in the the league you fear. You know, say with the squad they've got there, if they can get the right formation, get the right personnel out on the pitch, um, certainly more than a match for anyone in the league. Uh, if they're at it, and, as I say, get off to a good start, get try and get themselves in front of the game as well, give them some confidence, and and go on from there. Yeah, Sam. Well, like like Danny was saying, we have with the squad we've got. There's no reason we should be fearing anyone. We should be going to win every game. But I am a bit worried for Saturday, just because I I could see the fans going from like you said being sixty forty or whatever. Jack Ross, it could turn to ninety hundred percent on Saturday if ah. we get beat and played off the park. I would I don't know if he'd come back from that, but there's no reason why the players can't get up for it and use and get just a few big tattles the fans would get up for it everyone would be buzzing they just need to use the crowd and the the big game to their advantage really they need to just Massively. get up for it because I think I think the good thing with, with Saturday we may be a bit worried about how the team's playing and things like that but I think in truth I think the Sunderland fan base on Saturday Tom and I don't feel agree with me on this it's going to be so much more pro Sunderland because of how anti-Portsmouth we've been and the kind of niggle that we have. We really want to beat yeah. them. It's like, yeah. you're very rarely going to a, a Sunderland-Newcastle game, which has got, not it's not the same level of intensity, but yeah. at this level, it's probably the, they're probably the team that feels like a derby. Yeah. And I think you want to beat them that much. You cheer every throw and you cheer every yeah. tackle. And I think yeah. maybe that could work in Jack Ross and the team's benefit, yeah. which brings me the question, do you play Chris Maguire? Absolutely, Absolutely. especially after the playoffs as well. Like you see that that playoff game against Portsmouth at home, getting the ball chucked off yeah, his head again. Yeah, pretty Winding. much. Yeah, but um, he's he's got a start on Saturday for me. 
mainly because Jack Ross has to go for it. I think Jack Ross is he's in a situation now where he's either got to shit or get off the pot, basically. Um, he's either he's got to come out, he's got to go for it because I don't think he's got more than if he loses on Saturday, he hasn't got more than three or four more games left in him. So I think he's either got to come out and he's got to go for it and he's got to go for the next five or six games if he gets that far to try and, you know, dampen the talk of should he stay, should he go and whatnot. So for me, I think we're either going to go out, we're going to be in Michelle, we'll get caught out early and it'll be just, you know, it'll be walkouts on 60 minutes or conversely, we could go the complete opposite direction, Maguire, King shit house, and, you know, be 3 nil up inside half an hour and everyone's going, well, what will... You know what we're worried about. Yeah, you know. I don't know if Chris listens to this, but if he does, I just want to tell him I love him. Oh yeah, definitely. I love definitely. you, Chris. Definitely. If he wants to come round for tea, he's more than welcome. Do you love him, Sam? Uh, Do you love Chris? Unconditionally, aye. Especially after the playoff, kind of no one tops him after what he did against Portsmouth. Like, oh. do you love him, Danny? I love Chris. Teammates with him at Rotherham like a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, Were you? Yeah, he was. Is he a good lad? Player. Is he the right person to put in for a game? Yeah, like he wants Saturday? to win. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think so. Yeah, he can make things happen. And as I say, there'll be three or four of them in there, sat on the bench there, thinking, "Listen, some of these boys aren't pulling up trees at the minute. Give us a chance, Gaffer, you know." And as I say, going to the the cup game, is it the cup game on Tuesday night? Yeah, yeah. There'll be one chomping at the bit to get out there and push for a starting place on Saturday. I'd imagine. Just really quickly on Maguire, Danny. Yes. Is Maguire the kind of player where you would have not? enjoyed playing against him because of his physicality yeah, and his, no, yeah, you mean, know that aggression enough, he's got you played us pre-season last year at Grimsby and he played yeah. up top against us but I know him well so we were having a bit more of a chat on the pitch really if yeah. you like and just going over a few things but um, no he is he's quite a little you know your narky type of player I think if as you've seen in, in the Portsmouth games and you know he's the pantomime villain now isn't he yeah. um, but no he is I say he's one you want on your team on the on a pitch in a, in a big game, you know he's he's always got that one sort of bit of magic in him. Really, he can either you know create an assist or as you know seen the goal he scored last year there. So I'd certainly be looking at to, to get him started at the weekend. I think just to touch on Maguire and just to totally end on this, and I, it's not a good thing because what ha- what's happening to Berry at the minute is terrible. Mm. We're talking about king shit houses. Oh, somebody <laughs> posted on Instagram um, about Berry, unfortunately, and I really hope they don't. Um, potentially going out of business and Chris Maguire decided to like that post mm. um, King Shithouse of King Shithouses so if anyone ever doubted this shithousery he, yeah, he's, he's committed, next level he's, he's committed, committed to, to the cause isn't he that's, um, that's the thing I'd say that is Diego Diego Costa levels of shithouse <laughs> yeah. he's up there with the best <laughs> so um, that's our second and my first hosting job um, I hope I did all right. I'm sure Alex will be back next week or maybe even Josh back next week because yeah, Alex is swanning off somewhere in America because some of us can have holidays apparently. But Danny, you've got a flight back to Brazil um, to catch. A, yeah, um, Friendly game to play up front. Tom, you're just going back home. Uh, rugby's on for me this afternoon. So the rugby. Is, uh, yeah, watch wheels go number one, fingers crossed. Oh no, not oh, another aye. one. Oh aye. Um, oh, I've got two Welshmen in here today. Sorry, Sam. <laughs> Solidarity. <laughs> So Sam, are we gonna? What what are we doing? Heading home. Uh, yeah, I'm going to Paris tomorrow for. Uh, oh, so more of us can uh, have holidays, holidays, not just yeah. brilliant. Well, I'm going back to I'm going back to Glasgow. Oh, it's nice um, to see Brexit isn't hitting all of us in the pocket anyway. <laughs> no, <isn't> no, <laughs> evidently not, not yet anyway. But thanks very much, lads. Uh, enjoy enjoy your holiday, you bastard, Cheers, to Paris, man. and um, yeah, enjoy enjoy Wales. I guess. Uh, I mm. suppose we'll see. We'll see. You come for. Right. Thanks very much. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. 
Save